Good morning. I love that song. Um, it, it has rung true to me in so many different seasons of life. This is, um, when it talks about uh, through, through every season, you are still God. Uh, Bowen, I think, is experiencing that right now. For uh, yesterday, we walked outside and he goes, It's snowing again. <laughs> I was like, You don't, I thought you liked the snow. I like summer. <laughs> I was like, my little Georgia boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, we, we've only just begun. <laughs> so, um, so I need to sing, uh, Carrie Job needs to sing him the, the desert song there. In every season, buddy, God's still there. It's okay. He'll be happy. We just had to teach him the intricacies of fun with snow. Um, or put a sled on his bike so he can still do that. I don't know. One of the, either one will work. <clears throat> this morning, uh, we're going to start talking about uh, serving. It's the, we have uh, our, mission, our vision here at the church is to reach, grow, serve the community for Christ. And so um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about reaching and what that looks like and how our attitudes should be as we uh, model Jesus to the community. And last week was about growing. How do we grow as an individual, but also as corporate? How do we go deeper into the Christian life. And today is about serving and what that looks like. But I wanted to take a more, um, not just you should serve uh, approach to it, but more of a, how does our attitude while serving look? Because we can serve all day and not get anything out of it. If the attitude behind it is not in line with Christ. And so um, if you've ever been burnt out volunteering at anywhere, not just church, this is a good message for you, and that would probably be 99.9% of us. That, you know, you're just like, what are we doing? What am I doing? No one cares. You know, if you ever had that thought, you need an attitude adjustment. And um, I've had that same thought, and I've needed the attitude adjustment uh, with that. But as I was pondering today's me- message and just kind of working on it through this week, it started just kind of percolating. I got, it, I got the, the verse done on Tuesday. And the main point on Tuesday, which is a minor miracle. Okay. Now, that was really exciting. And, um, but as I started thinking about that, um, and as I was serving in the basement, I was like, okay, how's my attitude with all this? And what does that look like? And how do I, um, you know, how, what happens when the first table breaks? Right? I mean, it's for teenagers, right? It's for teenagers. It's for teenagers, Chris. Getting a twitch. Uh, so it's okay. It's okay. But the attitude behind it had to, had to come up with it. And then I started thinking about that and how it was I growing. And I started thinking about the six, seven months I've been here. And about six of those months, we've been working on the basement. Um, and so what does that look like? And how have I grown with the guys and the ladies who have worked downstairs? And how have our relationship grown? And how have we grown in Christ together, and what that looked like, and how does that shape who we are, and what impact does that have on the rest of the church, and if we could offer, or if we could engage the majority of our congregation in that kind of attitude of serving, what would the relationships look like for our church? Because as men, we don't talk face-to-face. Most men don't. That's not how they communicate. You communicate by 
you know, oh, you just hit your finger with a hammer, ha, 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 let's tell a joke about that. But now we feel like we're brothers because we made fun of each other. I don't understand, but that's how that works. But shoulder to shoulder, right? Until you break something together, you're not really close. Okay. And so that's, that's, but that, that, that bonding happened. And that also, okay, just the teaching of different things and, uh, and, and the, the patience with other things. And, oh, that's a neat idea. And seeing each other's strong points and weak points. That all came through in serving together. And it happens in the back and the kids when they serve, when you serve with a, with a, with a younger student. I, I love it when Kelly comes home and she's like, oh, I had the best assistant today in preschool. At the best preschool assistant, and this this girl's got a lot going on, and da 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 da, and that's just you get that because you've walked arm in arm serving God together, and as going, I think serving and growing have a lot to do with each other, because you, if you're serving with the right attitude, with the right heart, with the right mindset, you can't help but grow in Christ. Serving with the right mindset is one of the greatest ways to grow in your walk with God. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you can't find God in something, like, Jared, I've been serving all the time. Well, there's, in that sentence, do you have the right mindset underlying that if you've gotten it written already? Underline serving. And underline grow. If you're serving and not growing, I guarantee you there's a problem with your mindset. I just, I guarantee it. Because you can't help. If you're teaching the preschool, I bet you're learning the Bible. You're learning stories and memory verses that you've never had before. I've memorized more verses in the Bible with Kindle doing all these crazy gestures than I did in, in seminary. So I, I know as a dad, just going through the memory verses at night with the kids, I'm learning, memorizing a scripture. I can't help if I'm just serving my kids to grow with them. And if you're doing that with kids or you're doing that with teenagers or you're doing that with whatever, you grow like that. Serving has a huge portion of getting Sunday done. Sunday doesn't happen if we don't have serving happening. Sure, I'm paid to stand here, but that's about it, right? Everything else is like, well, the chairs don't get lined up. Well, I could do that, but I would have to work like 90 hours a week to do all the things that everything else is happening. You know, the kids, the babies don't get held. The kids don't get taught. The music doesn't come out. The soundboard isn't soundboardish. The lyrics aren't on the screen. All, all the things we just take for granted. The toilet paper is not put on the toilet paper rack. You know, the things that we just like, well, that should be done. Someone is doing that, Right? And someone is serving in that capacity. You're like, oh, I'm the guy who puts the toilet paper on. That's important. (laughs) More important at other times than that. But we have this. We are, we we are, and God, when he designs the church, even from early on, when it's just a few people, serving is a central concept that binds people together. It was one of the first decisions that the disciples have to make is figuring out how deacons are going to work and how people are going to literally wait tables. They make the first, you know, offices of the church are how do we serve each other better? And this is who we are as a community. This is who we are as a church and who we are can grow into being. And it's something that I want for you and I want for myself is that if we can be a serving community, 
with the right mindset, there is no limit to who we can be in Christ and who we can be as a church. As with so many other things, it's an attitude adjustment that needs to happen. If serving is about what you do, you will burn out. If serving is about the pet project, you will burn out. If it's about the coolest kids lesson you can ever teach, you will burn out. If it's about leading kids to Christ, you will not. You see the difference there? Because it's real easy when I make something my own, when I do something with my own talents, to say, it's mine. It's mine. I can do that with preaching, right? I can could, I could do it. Oh, this will be fun, and I'll make the most creative thing I could ever do up here. And I can do that one week and two week and three week, and attendance doesn't go up, so I get frustrated and want to cry and go home. Who was it about? It was about Jared's performance and not about Christ. We can do that in preaching. We can do that in teaching. We can do that in how we sweep the floor. We can do it with all things, and it's an attitude problem. If it's about what you do, you will burn out. If serving is a box to check off, it will be filled with frustration. Now, it's really easy to fall into the legalistic mindset of, well, I served this week, so Jesus loves me. Right? I got my boxes. I prayed. I read my Bible, and I served. I'm good. All's honky-dory. Except... I'm frustrated and I'm mad at 95% of the church because they never do anything. And your attitude is in the toilet. Another problem that we have. Uh, The Romans catch wind of this. If anybody says, hey, let's make Jesus king. Let's make Jesus uh, the ruler. Let's make Jesus the Messiah. What is going to happen? The legion is going to come out and squash these people. So there's a very, Jesus has to tiptoe around. Okay, I got to do enough miracles so they believe that I'm the Messiah, but I got to back off before they try to make me king. You see that? There's a, there's a, that's hard. He's also got to do something. If he disappoints the crowd and says too hard that I'm not going to be the Messiah and I'm not going to be your king, then they can be like, okay, well, you're dead. I took a day off work. My kids aren't going to eat now. Mm, we're going to stone you. This, these are all possibilities. So Jesus is walking this little balance beam here of figuring it all out. And he, it, if you look at the scriptures, and we're going to read it in just one moment, if you want to put a finger at Matthew 14, uh, he, or, or John, um, actually John 8, please, uh, for this portion. Uh, he, he walks that type, but he's going, I'm, I'm going to do some fun stuff here. Because the disciples are wandering around kind of going, how are these people going to eat? What's going to happen? We're going to have a revolt on our hands. This is going to get bad really quickly. Because when you're hungry, how do you get? I'm cranky. I didn't eat lunch Thursday. Kevin was like throwing snacks at me. It was like a Snickers commercial. Right? So it's like, it just is what it is. So John 8, verse 6. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. 
the Jesus, uh, sorry, I should have started with G, uh, verse 6 like I asked you. Um, Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people all to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. One of the other uh, parallels says eight months' wages. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy. With five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, How the people sit down? There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So if you put women and children in there, this is way, way more than 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as, who were seated and as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who came into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So he gets their bellies full, so they all want to take a nap, and he kind of just walks away. See, see how he does that? Because you've got this very political ooh, thing going on, and he just kind of walks away. That's the, the, the historical problems kind of with the, with the issues. But there's a lot of stuff going on here for serving. That there's, there's Andrew, who is always looking for someone to serve. Maybe he was hungry. He knew he was going to get cranky at some time and said, there's a kid over here, I'm going to steal his crouton. Right, so he's just got because these fish—they're called St. Peter's fish now. They grow; they're they're pretty um, particular to the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. They're about that big. They're all just that big. They're ugly fish, ugly. They serve them, they salt them, and they just kind of break and dry them, and it's not very appetizing. But they're like this big, so that's not going to feed a lot of people. And these loaves of you know loaves of bread, okay. That's what uh, all this is. Excuse me. Well, there's a few things going on here. I want to be someone like the little boy who can be prepared to offer something. I don't know what, if Andrew was imposing and said, hey, kid, give me your, give me your fish. Or the kid was like, oh, here's my peanut butter and jelly. Because that's what he's got. He's a Lunchable, basically. And he hands them it. So what's the kid thinking? What's the family thinking? You just stole my kid's lunch, you jerk. What is that about? But how often can we align our attitude to be someone that has something to offer? Because when we're inward focused, when we're only thinking about ourselves and only thinking about our own issues and our, and our own homes and the, how that looks, we don't, aren't in a place with our attitude to offer anything. When we're closed like that, we can't offer any skill or anything that's going on that God has blessed us with. And, and God blessed this little boy with a great mom who had, the for, who had the foresight to say, have a Lunchable. I can't believe he's the only kid out of 5,000 people that, that did that, but whatever. Open, a, a prayer for me is this, open our eyes to the needs around us. See, the, the, we have, the disciples have to go, hmm, there's needs around us. 
These people need to eat or we're going to have a problem on our hands. Sometimes, I think the first step in learning how to serve and our attitude in serving is we need to open our eyes to the needs around us. When we are focused on ourselves, we aren't even open to it. We don't even grasp the concept of somebody might need help. You know, you've seen this at Walmart, the lady with three kids and the, and the cart turns over as it hits and somebody's running down the road. We're like, oh man, she's got some issues. I got to get my bread. We do it. We've seen it happen. You're kind of like, wow. Um, and you know, I've, I've done the whole shuffle, like block the, the three-year-old who's running away while mom's picking up the cans that float. You just kind of block them. You don't pick them up because then the mom would flip out like, you're stealing my kid. But uh, you do the, the, the shuffle and, you, and you, you stop them. Just a tip there. If you ever wondered what to do in that and kind of do the <laughs> block out. Um, it works. But you, we just have to reframe our eyes. It's almost like putting a different filter on our glasses to think that how do I see the needs around me? It's like, I don't even know where to serve, Jared. I don't, I don't know where I could serve. I don't have anything to offer. Pray to open, the eye, open your eyes to what's around you. Because I guarantee you, you have something that needs to be offered. Whether that is, I don't know, muffin cooking to anything. There are needs for every ability. Second thing the disciples are teaching me is being willing and look for the capable. I love that about Andrew is he just finds, he's not really that uh, involved in the story. He's just the guy who's got the nose who could smell the fish. How do we have the mindset of Andrew? How do we look for capable people? It can't just be me looking through the crowd because it wasn't Jesus pointing out people. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, please don't hear that. But you can't always just be one guy doing that. It is the people throughout the church or throughout the disciples, the, the, the people he's been working with saying, oh, there's a guy. Oh, there's a guy. Here's a kid. And we can do the same. How would it be, how neat would it be if you knew you were the person who introduced somebody else to their spiritual sweet spot? Let me say that again. How neat would it be if you were the person who introduced someone to their spiritual sweet spot? Let's say Adam's been going, I don't know what I can serve, where I can do, what's going on. And Tom says, hey, Adam, aren't you good at this? No. Nah. <laughs> aren't you good at this? Because the church really needs it. I am good at that. I can do that. And all of a sudden, this whole new life, this whole new area of serving, this whole new area of fulfillment comes up. Because someone else had the fortitude and the, and the thought process to say, hey, I could introduce that person to that kind of serving. Sometimes it's stuff we never even think about. I also love that what Andrew does, he doesn't do the work. He's not involved, the disciples aren't involved in actually splitting. It doesn't say if they're the ones splitting the fish and the bread. What does he do? He brings the boy to Jesus. He brings the food to Jesus. And this goes back to my earlier point of we do this with God, not for God. Because Andrew could have figured out some crazy, uh, I don't know, geometry. I'm terrible at math. But figuring out, I can cut one cell of protein for every person here. You know, he could have done that. And I, th I think sometimes that's what we do in church world is we go, okay, God, I I'm doing this for you, so stay away. I'll show it to you later. 
Come on. You know, and we try to figure it all out, and God's like, I could be a part of... Really? You're going to get messy, and it's going to... Oh, man. I could take care of that. But so often we get so caught up, I'll take care of this, God. But what God was just asking us to do is just bring it to me. The biggest act of service in all this is that the human service is that Andrew just brings the fish to Jesus. He says, here you go. Sometimes it's just we get to be a part of bringing it to Jesus. These are not hard things to do. These are more simple things to do. Sometimes we look at serving and we get a little sketched out. We get a little scared. Just bringing it to Jesus. When they are, <laughs> when they are faithful in, these, in the smaller things, in this huge corporate event, Something really neat happens. If you go later in the story, we're going to turn to Matthew 14, verse 22. This is really neat. As I studied the scripture this week, I was, I was just kind of blown away by this. They have this huge corporate event. 5,000 plus women and children all get fed. You know they are like, what just happened? Peter's still stuffing his face with the 12 baskets they have left over. It is crazy. Jesus slips away, and they're going to try to find Jesus, and they get out on a boat, right? Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him on the other side when he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. He needed a little debrief. Maybe Jesus was an introvert. I don't know. You have 5,000 people claiming for your attention. You're like, I need a moment. Okay, a little me time. Uh, so he comes up, up to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance in the land, from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Think about it. He just fed like seven, ten thousand 10,000 people in this huge public event. Now it's only the disciples. It's only the twelve hanging out in a the boat. They got to experience this huge public thing because they were obedient in the small, just bringing it to Jesus. Now they get to experience one of the most intimate miracles in the scripture and one of the coolest. Especially Peter, he gets to walk on water because they're willing to serve. In this, it's the same, it's the same concept. It's the same attitude. Okay, God, I'll just bring it to you. I'm coming to you. Just as Andrew brought the kid, Peter's brother, brought the kid to Jesus, Peter's like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. And gets to walk on water. Nobody else can say that. You're faithful in the big. You get to be blessed in the small. They obey the big and were able 
<clears throat> to be a part of the team as well as be a part of the corporate blessing. Because they got to eat the food too, right? They got to experience all that was going on. They obey it, the big, and were able to be a part of the team as well as a part of the corporate blessing. A lot of words there. I just think it's really neat that when they play their role, when they play their bit, and you know Philip's going, how is this going to work? It's going to be eight months of wages. I don't have that kind of money. I left my job to follow you, remember? They obey the big. And they got to be a part of this huge corporate blessing. A day in their life they would never forget. This is already the coolest day ever. And later that night, they get to obey in the private and get to be a part of the private blessing. I think the order of that has a lot to do with how they are blessed. If we obey in the, in the smaller things of just being a role player, then we get to participate in those private blessings, these intimate moments with God. Playing a role in serving Christ sets them up to be able to participate in the private. Playing a role in serving Christ sets them up to be able to participate in the private. As we think about serving, as we think about who we are, as we think about who we're becoming to be and who we want to be in 2014, maybe on your bucket list this year is, I want to get involved in a small group or life group. Maybe this year I need to serve in some capacity at church. I need to serve somewhere. Serving looks different. We have people in our church who who give a lot of time to the Pregnancy Resource Center. That is fabulous. Serving God outside of the church or serving God inside the church Wonderful. There's not like a merit-based blessing on that. It's just being obedient and bringing people to Christ. And whatever that looks like, and whatever capacity that looks like, we can bring people to Christ. We can identify capable people, and we can identify the needs. Those are the things I want to shift my attitude about serving. Instead of it being about me, and instead of it being about what I did, and serving's not about show and tell. Look, God, woo I made a sandcastle. Yeah, it's a sandcastle. It's good. If I was there, we would have had granite. And invite God into our serving. As we reform our minds about serving, let's, let's wonder and dream about what it would look like to serve with God and not for God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And uh, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here and how you're shaping. I thank you for all the new life in this room this morning. I thank you for all the babies. I thank you for how you are, uh, <coughs> how you are growing us as a people. God, I ask you to take away our hindrances to serving. The roadblocks that we put up, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Take away all the excuses. God, right now I ask for you to take away the scales of my eyes as I sometimes have blinders on who could serve or how I can serve. That you'd show me how I've been uniquely gifted for certain things. 
God, most of all, I don't want to do things for you anymore. I want to do things with you. I, won't, I don't want to just be a role player. I don't want to just suffer through serving at church. I want to do things with you, God. We love you, Jesus. And you never pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.